Welcome to the Trust Corner. More and more companies are grappling with trust and striving to assure trust for their stakeholders. Among large technology companies, SAP has established the Chief Trust Office to manage trust topics and build confidence with customers and partners around the use of personal and private data. As the category develops, more companies are seeing value in having a dedicated executive for this category to build trust around personal data and around risk, safety, and ethics. What kind of businesses should consider establishing their own chief trust officer or head of trust, and how will this evolve? Our guest today is Emily gonzalez Drulis, Global Head of Trust, Safety, and Risk Operations for Stripe. Emily is a seasoned trust professional with experience in trust and safety in both Airbnb and Facebook. Her focus has been on leading global operations teams in strategic planning, data-driven decision-making, efficiency improvements, and high-performance team building within the scope of trust and safety. Welcome to the Trust Corner, Emily. Thank you for having me, Elena. It's really great to be here. It's not every day that I get to interview a fellow trust professional, uh, so I'm very excited to have you here today. As you know, trust is a fast-growing business category that more and more companies are integrating into their operations and organizations, and each company prioritizes something different within that category. In the fintech space, what do you do as the global head of trust and safety? Hi, uh, sure. So my role is really to build out and lead a, lead a global operations team that's focused primarily on two things. One is mitigating losses, risk, and brand risk for Stripe, while also balancing a really positive user experience for our good um, non-fraudulent users. And so that encompasses many things, um, primarily running operations teams that are focused in specific uh risk verticals for uh, specific to, to fintech. So things like fraud operations, credit risk operations, um, terms of service and financial partnerships, compliance ops, and then the supporting functions that would, that would help with the um, performance and efficiency and quality improvements across the operations team. Well, thank you for sharing more about your verticals. Tell us a little bit more about your own background. How did you get into this field and how did you get into the multinational technology company that you work for now and the others that you worked for before? Sure. You know, I, I think uh, as a relatively new field or new industry, it, it definitely wasn't something I grew up knowing that I wanted to get into. Um, but uh, I actually started out at, in, at Airbnb in um, the customer service and payment space. And um, but as business needs evolved, uh, this the trust and safety space aligned really well with both what the business needed at the time. It was a very fast growing business. I was there early on, um, but it also aligned really well with certain things about um, my skill set and my personality that uh, that led to to diving into this field. And so I have a naturally protective nature, a strong attraction to solving tough unstructured problems, passion for continued learning because the space was so new, so everyone is learning, um, and a really strong desire to just do infrastructure and foundational work. Um, so starting out at Airbnb, once I landed in the trust and safety space because there was a company need, I really felt at home here. And you know, we were we were all learning at the time. So I was very often meeting with peers at Lyft, Facebook, other, you know, other um sharing economy companies, 
we were all just like learning and iterating and growing. And so after nine years at Airbnb building out their trust and safety operations team, um, there were a few parts of my, I guess, trust and safety arrest portfolio that I didn't have experience in yet. And so that from there, I went to Facebook um, where I led their uh, safety operations team that focused on content moderation for the highest severity um, pieces of content. So think child safety, credible threats of violence, terrorism. Um, and so learned learned a lot there too about um, trust and safety at scale, really. Um, and then from there, wanted to go back somewhere that was a little bit earlier stage and build it uh, more, more in a building phase. And so that's how I landed at Stripe. Fantastic, Emily. Thank you for sharing your personal story. And it's great to see the different aspects of trust that we work collectively as an industry. At SAP, trust is understood in terms of security, privacy, and compliance. Uh, we also have a great focus on transparency. In your own experience, how are risks and safety related to trust? Yeah, this is um, this is one that we think about a lot in terms of, uh, you know, as you're as you pointed out here, trust and safety is sort of different, or trust is different wherever you are. Um, thinking about like the definitions of trust, the one I reference most often is uh, meeting expectations consistently over time. And the companies that I've been in, the roles I've been in, uh, minimizing risk and maximizing safety are just basic expectations that the market and our customers have of our of companies. So. In like in the fintech space, they trust that their money and their identity, their information are all safe with us. And they expect us, they expect that we'll make things right if anything unexpectedly happens. And so the two are really intertwined, right? Like at a at a fintech, especially a company like Stripe, payments um, are obviously the backbone of, of any business. And so there's the the two are directly related and that they trust us to minimize their risk and they trust us to keep their money and and their account safe. And so um I'm sort of on the uh, on a in a different pillar than um than you than you are in that it's more about uh a, a different piece of the risk profile, right? Where we're thinking more about um payment and monetary risk and account risk, brand risk uh versus um you know we, we obviously have privacy departments and security departments, but my area of focus is um, is uh, those other pieces of of the risk profile. Thank you for sharing so many different domains to the trust um, uh, category. It's very exciting for us and promising for the field. As I mentioned earlier, organizations have different priorities when it comes to trust. Help me understand what your priorities are within your domain. What is your focus within trust and safety currently? Yeah. So in whatever role I'm in, it always aligns with the risk profile of the business. Um, and so currently, um, I, you know, I mentioned that it's the balance of fraud and credit or monetary losses alongside positive, um, positive user experience. And Stripe being a user's first company really tries to optimize for positive user experience. And so um, in whatever role I'm in, it always has to align with the risk profile and risk appetite of, of the business. And so right now that's where that's where I'm focused. Previously, like at Airbnb, we had a different risk profile, right? There was online risk, certainly, like payment fraud and account integrity, but also a pretty significant um, offline risk uh, focus as well. So property damage, personal safety policy enforcement, 
Um, and then again, it switched at, at Facebook uh, where it was like content moderation of the highest severity safety content that had like real world impact. And so the focus changes depending on the business, but it what stays the same is that what you're trying to do is protect protect either your users or the company or both while also making sure that the business can can still grow and operate and that's that's the challenging part of the balance exactly we do see the same uh, sides of the coin as well as the threat landscape evolves so do the challenges to securing private and personal data we have worked to address new threats, meet regulations, and close the cybersecurity workforce gap, while also maintaining transparency with our customers. What have been the most difficult challenge in trust and risk space to, for fast-growing companies, uh, Emily, and how have you addressed them? Sure. So, um, besides the ones you've just you've just described, in, in my domain, it's really about staying ahead of attackers and fraudsters. And at the same time, making sure that we're not overly impact negatively impacting good users. So if, if you think about the dial, you can turn, you can reduce fraud by shutting down more business, or you could um, increase your losses if you're not as, um, as diligent about, about catching fraud. And the really the most difficult challenge is like how you how we keep up and adapt to threats that, are, that we're experiencing, but also get ahead of them, right? To know what's coming, to know what, um, to have the, the right threat intelligence to understand how, how um, fraud attacks are evolving. And so being able to keep a laser focus on that and getting ahead of, of that risk, while also making sure that we are not taking too heavy a hammer on growth and good users. And I think that's, you know, for, for all fintechs, Finding the right balance there is starts with, of course, landing the company's risk tolerance, um, how much we're willing to take in losses for whatever gain we get in growth. Uh, it's just like incredibly hard to get right, right? But 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 having the like leading indicators, having the dials that you know you can turn, and having a very solid view of of what the trade offs are is how we approach trying to keep fraud off the platform or trying to keep our um, losses risk in line with balancing our user experience. Yeah, thank you for highlighting the trade-offs notion, Emily. Since 2020, we have taken any opportunity to highlight the benefits of having a trust office for the organization and even help some organizations understand better the roles that they can play and help them understand whether they should be establishing them. What kind of companies and what kind of industries you think should consider creating a trust office or trust and safety office? You know, Elena, I think I have a bias here, but, um, and so I, my, my answer is probably, uh, you know, casting a wide net, but anyone who either accepts or processes payments or accepts or processes user data, essentially everybody, every business, um, should consider creating a, a trust office, I think. Um, the the way that things usually manifest when uh, issues with trust and safety are either you scale and grow and you need you eventually need a trust office, or you don't scale and grow one or the other. And I think um, what what tends to happen is you know folks have reached out for either advice, consultation, or trying to recruit for roles. Is it sometimes they just um, wait until there's a crisis, right? Wait until 
there's a, a fire to put out or a big problem to solve and um, getting ahead of that and creating a, a trust office in, you know, before that actually happens will help build the right foundation for avoiding the, avoiding the impacts of, of those fires. We absolutely agree, Emily. I think it's very important to stay proactive and so many different companies that process security data, personal data, payments data could definitely take the next step in their organizational evolution by establishing a trust office. And would you say how much of a major trend it is right now? Do you think we'll see more heads of trust and safety uh, in the coming years? Um, what What is your sense on the trending, how trending this topic is? Oh, very much so. I mean, even in this macroeconomic environment where companies are looking to, um, you know, be more um, more sustainable or taking another look at their budgets, the roles for trust and safety, for risk, for um, cybersecurity, for privacy um, are like tend to be the foundational ones that everyone needs and are actually in some cases are actually growing these teams from what I'm seeing. So I think we'll only get um, it will only keep growing. For now, and um, there's there will be continue to be a really huge demand for professionals in this space. Exactly, that's so great to hear, Emily. I'd like to pivot back to the workforce question. We believe that trust area can give professionals of different backgrounds an opportunity to get into a new and exciting field and apply their skills and knowledge in a new way. When recruiting trust professionals for your organization, what experience and skills are you particularly looking for? Um, starting with the skills, I'm always looking for really curious and, and analytical minds. Um, so really strong critical thinking and problem solving, attention to detail, and then a particular ability to zoom into details and then out to see broader trends and um what might be happening on a higher level. And then when it comes to experience, I think if you couple all those skills with a background in either analytics or um, you know, some of the more on, on the ground pieces. So investigations work, I've we've had a lot of uh successful people transition from consulting because of the um the problem solving um skills that are gained there and communication skills. Uh, and then even had experience bringing in people from former law enforcement or uh, military backgrounds just because of some of the, uh, you know, the skills and experience developed there around leadership and um, and critical thinking, thinking in the moment. So consulting, law enforcement, and I guess adjacent fields. Correct. Yeah. It, you know, the, just because of the recency of trust and safety as an industry or as a, as a field, um, it's, it's not always easy to find people who have experience in trust and safety in the way that, that we might want. So of course that's, that, that would be great, but um, looking to adjacent fields has been very helpful in, in bringing more people into the field. Exactly. So as excited as you and I may be about trust, it's still a new business category, Emily, as you just said. What do many executives critically not understand about trust, safety, and risk? I think um, I sort of touched on it a little bit, but diving in, I think most wait until it is too late is probably dramatic. That's not right. But 
Um, when pe- reaching out in the midst of the crisis means that you likely won't have time or appetite to build the foundations correctly. And so I think getting an earlier start and thinking ahead about how to get ahead of the out of the ahead of the risks or ahead of what might be coming is it will make things better down the line. So we'll be less expensive, will be less painful to resolve issues. Um, and I think because because you know most most executives just wait until there's a the problem exists. Um, it's you know this finding the solution is just uh, more painful than it has to be. What's your best advice for companies that are actually considering establishing a trust office now? I would say um, sort of continuing the theme. If you're already considering it, hopefully you're you're starting early before you you really need it. But what I would say is focus on um, focus on a lot of the foundations. So like truly understanding your risk tolerance, truly understanding your risk profile, um, and then and then hiring against that. So if um, cybersecurity is going to be your biggest concern, or privacy, or fraud, um, establishing like the universe of your risk profile, understanding your risk profile, and then making sure that you can look into the market to see how you can match uh, the right leaders, the right um, execution focused folks who can help you build a strong foundation. Excellent. Thank you so much, Emily. We're so happy that you were able to stop by and share your insights with us and our listeners today. Uh, We hope, similar to you, to see more trust professionals entering the field as it's an exciting and growing field. And we wish everybody good luck in establishing the trust offices. Thank you. Thank you, Elena.